This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, America Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. How are you doing? I'm doing fine in week, what is this, 237? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been a quite a long time, I think. But I think the good news is that we are, we, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is going to yellow as of today, I believe, is that correct? Yeah, and, and so, New York is going to phase one today, too. Yes, and so slowly we're going to be getting back to normalcy, hopefully, so it'll be interesting to see what plays out. Americus, you had a pretty busy week last week. You want to recap some of what you're thinking now or because you've been. Oh, good point. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty interesting. I think that what we had been noticing with the, uh, the protests associated with uh, the tragic death of George Floyd was really a groundswell of brands just jumping in and really being very unambiguous about their stance and where, where they lie on the, on the spectrum of support for Black Lives Matter. And uh, a lot of really interesting examples uh, of clear statements that are being made. I don't know if you saw this, Barbara, but Ben and Jerry's yes. uh, uh, actually came out perhaps with the strongest uh, instantiation of support, literally coming out with a, an ice cream flavor uh, called Pecan Resist, uh, and basically anti-Trump, if you will, ice cream, and a very strong <laughs> statement, very interesting. But was yeah. Barbara, because one of one of my close friends who is a, a fitness guru, he, he he messaged me and he said, Americas, I don't even do dairy, but I just bought some. <laughs> I just went out and got some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You I'm know, gonna, I'm gonna ben, have it now. <laughs> ben and Jerry's, which by the way is owned by Unilever, is a really interesting company because unlike some of these others that are just making social statements today, they've been in this business for a really long time. And by the way, they've made some mistakes. It's not always easy to do this kind of thing right. But if you talk about a company that's had this kind of positioning and it's not you know, new to the scene, but it's part of their heritage, um, that, that's Ben and Jerry's. And so I think a lot of what's happening, and I think America's, you've addressed, you've addressed this in some of your remarks. I know you've been on national media is whether or not this is legitimate or it's just, you know, today's hashtag or what exactly does it mean to make a stand today? Mm -hmm. And I think you're touching on a very important point because a lot of what's going to have to do with great leadership moving forward, uh, which we're going to talk about with our first guest in a moment. Uh, is to open up this notion of authenticity and really kind of living out sort of where the rubber meets the road, where it becomes not like you're saying, Barbara, not just a bunch of window dressing and talk, but actually very concrete, implementable actions that become part of the firm's strategy. So it'll be very interesting to see how all of this plays out. Yeah. So today we have actually a new show, although frequently, you know, during this COVID period, we've been coming to you, of course, from our homes, recording on Zoom like everybody else. And we've been bringing you a combination of fresh content and the best of Marketing Matters segments from 2019 and 2020. But today we have a special guest who could perhaps 
provide some insight on the topics Americas and I were just talking about. With us today is Tiffany Bova, who's the Global Customer Growth and Innovation Evangelist at Salesforce. And she's a former channel chief and Gartner channel analyst. And she's the best-selling author of the book, Growth IQ. But she has some new information that can help inform what, what we should be doing as marketers to address some of the big issues of the day. And she's going to talk a little bit about the new state of marketing report, the sixth edition that just came out and and she can provide some insights on this so tiffany thank you very much for being here today oh well thank you guys for having me it's always a pleasure to be with both you and americas on marketing matters so you like us are in your home right and i heard you just tell us you have a whole new studio so you've been doing a lot of work on all of this i take it you you're used to weighing in from your home well, you know, it, 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 it all of a sudden became grounded 90 days ago. So, you know, I did uh, 370,000 fly miles last year uh, and 100 keynotes somewhere in the world on six continents. And then 90 days ago, I am, you know, officially grounded. So it's been a unique experience for me to be home this long. I haven't been home this long in more than 15 years. So I needed, I needed something. So I'm thrilled to talk to you guys today. Yeah, but you know, and I, I traveled a lot last year too, similar kinds of things. I think I logged 250,000 miles, so we're out there. But I personally love being home in this. And what's interesting, and you're going to tell us this now, is even though we're all isolated in our own homes, it's not like we don't know what's going on in the world and getting more information than ever. Have you found that, that you've able to keep up? And how have you navigated that? I mean, that's an interesting juxtaposition, darting all over the world and sitting in one room. How have you felt you can make remarks in those two different circumstances? Well, what's what I don't know if anybody else is feeling this, but I feel busier <laughs> You know, when I have to get on an airplane and fly somewhere. It's like my whole day is traveling. And then, you know, I get to someplace that evening or the next morning, depending if I'm flying out of the country. Uh, and then I, that, that next day I am on stage and then, you know, I do such things in the afternoon, it might be. And then the next day or that evening I fly back. And so that's kind of two days to go meet and do something on a day. And now I'm doing... Uh, a couple of webinars a day or a podcast a day or a LinkedIn Live a day uh, or even doing some keynotes. So the great news is that I feel like everybody has rallied around the fact that it's not that work has stopped. It's that we've had to reimagine how we collaborate, communicate and share content. And so this has been fantastic to get exposure to more people um, and have them have access also to things they would normally not have access to if they weren't able to travel and go to events. Yeah, so like I, I think, and it sounds like you agree with this, that some of the learnings that we've been forced into embracing during this time, it's gonna continue post-COVID. Um, and so maybe you can start a little bit telling us, what do you think was happening before COVID? How has COVID changed it? What do you think is gonna be different in the state of the world in marketing based on your research and your own personal observations? Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Barbara, this was our sixth edition of the State of Marketing Report that Salesforce put out. And uh, this year it fielded literally 
uh, between January and February of this year. And it was right before COVID happened when we had fielded and got everything back. We got 7,000 replies uh, uh, across uh, marketing respondents from B2B and B2C, uh, across North America, Latin America, Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And what was great about it was it was double blind. So people don't know, number one, it's a tech company, but number two, they don't know it's Salesforce. And we went out and asked them sort of what are the things that are top of mind. And last year when we did this, we started to hear this empathetic marketing theme around being more socially aware of inclusivity in the way you market, how you market, where you market, what the messages are. And now here we find ourselves in 2020 where, as you guys were talking about at the top of the hour, you know, where Ben and Jerry's or, or Unilever uh, and other brands really stepping up and having something to say. And I think this is just this continuation of a drum roll. But one thing I will say out of it is, first it was COVID, uh, now we have the Black Lives Matter movement and you have those two things coming together is really cracking open this underbelly of how businesses and marketers have needed to really think differently about where and how they communicate and more importantly, the messages that they share. Yeah. And do you think marketing's up to up to it? You know, like we said, Ben and Jerry's has been doing it for a while, but Marketing hasn't typically, not all the, you know, not all the companies have. Do you have anything in your report that gives you um, some examples of people who are going to be, who you predict will do it well or won't do it well and what criteria you're looking at to determine that? Well, uh, there's a couple of things, you know, it, it's interesting because marketers for the most part, you know, over the last decade, it's been, oh, we're digitally transforming, right? It's about communicating anywhere, anytime, in any channel, and we want it to be personalized and relevant and in real time. Uh, and then it really pivoted into customer experience, like we're going to own it. I'm saying this as a marketer, you know, we're going to start to change our metrics uh, and, and then it became all about how do we start to use these technologies and in innovative ways that tells our customers that we actually value them as a customer um, and that we care about them as a human being. And, and I think that those two things will continue. So when you start talking about this kind of inclusive marketing um, and equality from a brand perspective in the conversation, you can actually see metrics start to change away from things like just lead generation. You know, the things that maybe B2C brands uh, were focused on before, you have B2B brands now starting to put in much more humanizing uh, uh, metrics. It could be customer service, it could be lifetime value, it could be um, even the demographic of your customer base, uh, even simplistic around male and female, like we don't even need to get one click below that. I mean, just start there. Are you predominantly in uh, one gender or another? Um, and do you even have a message uh, for those that identify differently? And so, you know, ultimately, I think this is an opportunity where high performers are really starting to, to focus on real time. Um, and we see 72% of them analyzing uh, their performance and what's working and not working in real time, where 49% of underperformers are watching it in real time. So going back to the conversation, uh, is the message, did it land? I mean, how many ads did we see prior to this over the last year or two, which were really trying to tell a message similar to Black Lives Matter, and it failed miserably with yeah. equality, and, and they had to pull the ad right away. Uh, and so it's really about making sure that you're listening and marketers paying attention um, to the sentiment of their customers 
uh, in a real time in a real time fashion, especially now because things are moving daily. So, um, what do you predict is going to happen? Do you? I mean, I don't know if your data can tell you this or not, but like Americans and I were just talking about, New York is starting to open, Philadelphia is starting to open. How? What? I mean, how fast are these going to come up? How fast are things going to change? Do you have any sense of any of that? Can you? Well, we actually looked at it across three different uh, categories. The first was, you know, how can businesses or brands help companies stabilize themselves? So people like us from a vendor perspective, from a Salesforce perspective, you know, how do we help our customers stabilize, right? It was like the light switch went off, everyone went home, everything shut down. It was about stabilizing. The second phase now that we're in, depending on where you are in the country or in the world, is about getting back to work. And now what does that mean? And how are marketers, you know, like just driving down the street from a retail perspective, you see these little signs or little pieces of paper, we're open. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, how do you even communicate to people that yes, we might've been closed, but we're now open, but we're only open for curbside pickup, delivery, drive-through, like it's all these asterisks next to the fact that we're open because, well, you know, I'm in Los Angeles and even yesterday driving 20 minutes away, everything was open. I drove into everything was closed. I kept driving another 20 minutes, everything was open and yeah. I'm in Southern California. Like it's very confusing. So how do you get that targeted from a marketing perspective? So that second category was really getting back to work. The third category is about growth. And so what are the things that you have to do to get your business back to growing, right? I mean, this is a matter of, uh, and, and growing might just mean bringing in some revenue because everything was shut down. So from a marketer's perspective, it's making sure that you're communicating with your existing customers as well as uh, you know others. And, and I personally believe that 2020 is a year of your customer, not of your prospects necessarily. And so what does that mean? And how do you actually communicate to them? So there's so much in the research that we found that that validates that statement I just made. Customer loyalty, customer retention, customer lifetime value rather than customer acquisition. Is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. It's what I've been saying for a really, really long time. I think marketers, unfortunately, um, get very distracted by the net new shiny thing, the new brand, the new logo, the new account, uh, because it was a metric they could track versus saying, hold on, you know, why don't we do something more with the gold we already have? I always joke, and I think I said it to you guys the last time I was on, it's like, you know, when they were coming to the West to mine for gold, they didn't find gold in the mountain and then go, that's great, let's go find another mountain. Yeah. <laughs> right? They said, hold on, let's mine all the gold in this mountain, yet from a marketing and selling perspective, it's like we land a new customer and we just move on. And then we don't necessarily pay as close of attention to our existing base. So yes, it's about loyalty. Yes, it's about lifetime value. Yes, it's about all those things. But until the metrics uh, uh, catch up from a uh, role perspective, people will keep ch chasing what they're measured to do, which if it's just go get new customers, they forget about the ones they already have. Well, so how do you, I mean, Linking this together with what's happening, with what matters now, the fact that the economy is way down, and it's more than that the economy's down. I think they just announced it's definitely a recession starting February or something like that. Um, the idea that consumerism is way down. So the idea of customer loyalty from a marketing point of view is to sell the same customers more in some sense. But if people are scaling back, if, if the demand is not there, how exactly do you do that? 
Yeah, and I think that, Barbara, I think that's a great question because I don't know if um, we all know the answer to what that's going to be. Uh, but what I'd say is that more and more B2B and B2C are blurring and the tactics that were being used on the C side are now starting to make their way into the B side. So even something like account-based marketing, right? So ABM used to always be, it's a very consumer play. And whenever I would give examples, people would be like, oh, Tiffany, every example you just gave was consumer. We are a B2B company. And now what I feel has happened is over the last 90 days, everybody has become a super consumer, right? Because we're having to do everything from home. And so then you say, well, hold on a second. Why is it so easy for me to do this in my home environment and not as easy to do that in my work environment? So I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the habits we've created and the things we've learned while we've been home that we will continue to amplify. But, you know, I'd also say, you know, two months ago when people said, let's get back to the, let's get back to normal. I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not necessarily saying normal is what we should aspire to be because there was so much inequality in normal before. Yeah. And I was saying that from a just connectivity. I was just talking connectivity, like my local Starbucks down the street was totally closed, but the parking lot was totally packed a month ago or six weeks ago. And I'd be like, why is the parking lot packed, right? So I'd drive through and sure enough, people were sitting in the parking lot trying to get free Wi-Fi with a car <laughs> full of kids because they don't have access to Wi-Fi and they have to edu you know, get their kids class. And I'm in Los Angeles. So needless to say, this inequality of access to technology and the ability to order food and have a credit card to order things online and the unbanked and it's just really cracked open this inequality across the board. So I think oh, it's a I great opportunity, right, for marketers to say, hey, here's what we as a brand, what we stand for, using Unilever as an example, Barbara, I used it in my book. You know, the business is the greatest platform for change. The previous CEO and now this CEO of Unilever, very focused on um, sustainability and the SDGs from the UN and equality. Uh, as we have been, obviously, at Salesforce, one of our core values is equality. Like, we've been very, very focused on it. But do we get it right? Clearly, no, we've all got lots of work to do, but it's it's all in the intention uh, of what you want to do as a brand. Yeah, I see what you're saying now about the parking lot. I didn't get it right away, but now I understand what you're saying. I'm Barbara Kahn and I'm here with America's Read and this is Marketing Matters. Today, we're discussing the new state of marketing. What does it mean? And what does it mean pre and post COVID? And our guest today is Tiffany Bova, who's the global customer growth and innovation evangelist at Salesforce. And she's a former channel chief and Gartner channel analyst. And she's the author of the best-selling book, growth IQ. And we were just talking about what does it mean now in a world where we know there's people who have different wealth positions and we're trying to really put together the right marketing message. But, but I think her, you know, so that's definitely reflecting some of the, some of the comments and co topics we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in particular. But some of the results that we've seen from the Salesforce study was really this idea of focusing on customer loyalty, the customer point of view, customer lifetime value, prioritizing that rather than necessarily 
always looking for the shiny new, as, as you were talking about, you know, which is more of a customer acquisition model. And when you look for customer loyalty and you try to prioritize that, a lot of things you see are based on algorithms, artificial intelligence, technology. Can you speak a little bit about what you've learned about the use of technology and what marketers are doing that is state of the art on that front? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just uh, some crazy statistics out there about how enterprises are having to deal with this very question. The average enterprise we've found has 900 different applications and an average of only 28% of them are actually uh, integrated with each other. And we got that from a, from a MuleSoft study that we did, which tells you that there is no shortage of technology, that this is really about the people process side. That's number one. Number two, I feel this kind of infobesity, right? We've got so much data. Like there's no shortage of data and there's no shortage of info. But I'll tell you that customer experience is an aspiration um, and that aspiration is rising faster than operationalizing a lot of the things we're talking about, right? So having customer experience as a priority is one thing, but actually operationalizing that is two totally different things. So from a marketer's priority standpoint, the number one priority is innovation. Um, and the next is engaging customers in real time, right? So that's how you have to use that technology, um, whether it's AI, whether it's CRM, whether it's machine learning, whether it's natural language processing or bots or whatever it might be. Um, the third is complying with compliance regulations, right? And privacy regulations, which depending on where you are in the world, those will have different implications. Um, improved use of tools and technology. And the last was, was modernizing. But interestingly enough, if those are the top priorities, the top challenges exactly replicate it in just a slightly different order, right? Wait, so let's go over the top four to make yeah. sure I got them again. Sure. So what, what was number one? Innovating. And so Okay, let me, that was number one. I thought that was number yeah. two also, but that was number one. So let's well, go so over. So that was the, it's the, it's the number two top challenge is innovating. So oh, that's, see. right? But on innovating, I want to be really clear on what this means is that it isn't just innovating using technology. It's it's customers want you to use the technology they know you already have at your disposal. If you're not using it, they feel like you have apathy towards them. Meaning, I can get this at another brand. Why can't I get this kind of experience with you? Like, why can't I just chat with someone online very quickly? And if it, you know, all of a sudden I need help, I can enter my phone number and boom, my phone rings. I can do it with brand A, your brand B, and you're not doing it for me. What that tells me is you're not innovating and you're apathetic towards me. You're not making the investments. And so this is a double-edged sword of using the technology that you have already or some of the new technologies that are coming down the pike. So that's what we meant by innovating. Okay, so that's number one. Now, now what was number two? Engaging customers in real time. And that's customer experience, I assume. Yeah, that's some of it. I mean, you know, it, we now are able to do things uh, in real time because of, of what's gone on in technology. But I would tell you that that's very much a C, a B2C kind of aspiration. But you now hear B2B saying we want to engage customers in real time with the right message. I mean, imagine right now as well, if you set them up, up a marketing campaign three weeks ago, and it's just sitting and running and it ran today and it was completely insensitive to the current environment that's going on. Right. That's yeah. poor form, right? And, yeah. and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't being disrespectful. It wasn't that you're totally tone deaf. It's that you set it up three weeks ago and you forgot to check it. 
you know? So, you know, a lot of this is uh, engaging customers in real time gets dangerous if you are doing it in real time in a scheduled manner and then you don't go back and say, okay, is what we've been saying working and then should we adjust? So that's number two. And then number three with privacy and- Yeah, okay. privacy regulations. And so a lot we saw around customer experience over the last couple of years is uh, customers are more willing to give more information about themselves if they'll get a better experience. And so they'll give a little up on the privacy side of, I'll tell you more about myself and I'll let you use that information if in fact I'm going to get a better experience from you. If I'm not gonna get a better experience and I'm giving you more data, that doesn't work for me. So uh, complying with the privacy regulations for marketers, depending on if you have a global role, really challenging to know what everybody has to do. But you know, permission marketing is kind of, oh, it's sort of 2000, <laughs> 2001. So we've been talking about this for a, a minute or two. Um, it's just now it's become a lot more obvious because of how many channels we have from a communication standpoint. And you said you ran this data or the, the stuff you're, you're talking about was done in January and February, right? Is that Correct. when you said you got that information? Correct. So, so, and now, like we were talking about, and it is in real time, you know, it's June. And, um, but it's not just a normal old June, just so much has changed. You, but are those things so fundamental that you were talking about that you would still live by them? Or would you want to tweak it if you could? Yeah, so what was interesting was we went through this whole exercise because obviously it was fielded. We did not know what was going to happen literally three weeks later in the US, although it was starting to happen out of the US. Um, and and we, we went back and forth for, for a good week or two saying, is this still relevant? Should we publish it as is? Should we take a pause? Should we go out and survey them with another five questions that are very sort of COVID uh, specific? But imagine if we did that, Barbara, like right on the heels of this pandemic, we've now have Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. And so do you then say, well, okay, we solved for COVID and then boom, right up against uh, what, what's happening now with Black Lives yeah. Matter. So there's always going to be something. And so I think, you know, would they slightly order differently? Maybe, but I think that the, the things that are really important uh, remain very important. Are you empathetic? You know, is it in real time? Is it personalized? Are you using the data? Are you trustworthy? <laughs> like lifetime value and loyal, treating your customers right, more importantly, treating your employees right. I mean, I think that doesn't change, right? Yeah. I, I think that even some things amplify more. I mean, think about how important it is now to make sure your employees feel safe. They feel like you care about them and you're taking care of them and you want them to be as productive and successful now that they are homeschooling, homeworking, <laughs> like, you know, the joke is, or not really the joke, but the statement is no one will ever question what moms have done <laughs> for the last hundred years yeah. at home yeah. ever again. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's also what we were, Americus and I were talking about at the top of the hour. You have to have the right values, you know, and what you're saying are really the right values. So let me ask you one more question in our last sure. minute here. So I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that information is still relevant, even with the radical change in the context. Yes. But one thing that is definitely going to be different, I think, and I think it's going to take us a while to come out of it, is the recession. 
Um, and so, you know, this more, this economic constraint, this idea that we just, that just people just don't have the money to spend anymore. Do you have any last minute thoughts about how that might change things or do you think it Yeah, yeah, I'd say this. I'd say there is some great information about what happened during the, uh, the last economic problem that we had, you know, about a decade ago. Um, and how businesses really focused and came out of it. Some of it was cutting costs. Some of it was they doubled down on certain areas that were working. Like we were just talking about, Barbara, like, should I go out and spend all that money and spend seven, eight, nine times more to acquire a new customer than just spending into my base and looking for revenue that way? Um, so, you know, I think there's lots to be said there. I also think we also learned a lot on jobs to be done. I mean, if you look at the last recession, what was crazy about that was all the businesses that stood up during that time, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Box, Dropbox. I mean, they're all billion dollar unicorns now that were founded during our last economic challenge. So the question I have is what's going to come out of this one that's going to be 10 years from now, something we absolutely can't get away from. So, um, you know, I think it's an opportunity uh, but I also think that during this time, unfortunately, it, it really just the pandemic and everything else that's going on, it really cracked open this underbelly of the lack of investments many businesses made on digitally transforming. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm just going to pick on restaurants for a second. Some restaurants didn't have their menu online. You couldn't order through Grubhub. You couldn't order through Uber Eats. Right. And so the restaurants I know that are still open in my neighborhood were already digitally connected or had an app or were, you know, had a percentage, 30, 40% was done on takeout. And, and then you had some that had no takeout and, and totally struggling. And I'm just using that as an example or even booking appointments uh, online or your trainers at gyms don't know who the customers are, like brands that don't have any information about their customers in a CRM. Now you're looking for business to sell into the base, Barbara, and you don't know who they are, right? So yeah. maybe I think ultimately, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the things you, Americus, I, we've all been saying for well over a decade, 15 years in some cases, that you have to, if you're not marketing led, you know, you're dead. If you're not using digital, you're going to get behind. You know, if you're not paying attention to who your customers are and collecting that data, you just don't have the ability. Unfortunately, when something like this happens and you have to tighten the belt, you have no options. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if listeners want to find out more about what you're talking about, where can they go to keep up with you and your work? Yeah, so this is, you can go and grab this research report. It's free for you to download. You go to salesforce.com backslash research. Uh, we have all kinds of things up there, state of sales, marketing, customer service. Um, and then we have it by industry. They're sliced by region, uh, et cetera. Uh, and then you can follow me at Tiffany underscore Bova. And then I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. Please follow me there. Uh, I have a podcast called What's Next. And of course, thank you so much for mentioning the book, Growth IQ. There's all kinds of ways to stay in touch with me, but um, I'm actually interested in what everybody has to say back. Like I love hearing feedback from, from the research. So if you've read it and have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. Well, thank you so much again uh, for coming on our show. We're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we'll speak with Ted Wright, who's the CEO of Fizz, a word of mouth marketing firm. And he's going to talk a little bit about advertising the Tesla brand. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 